0: Go ahead, make my day. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? You don't seem to understand something. I'm in charge here. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for another episode of Stories. This week, we're talking movies again. You guys know I'm a big movie fan, and I love talking about movies. I love watching movies. So we're going to talk about movies again. And this week, I've compiled another list of favorite movies and another 10 movie tropes tropes are those overused cliches that they go back to over and over and over again. So much so that you go, oh, not this again, as soon as you see it pop up on the screen. So we're going to go through another 10 that are specific to action movies. They're not exclusive to action movies, but you're going to see them in every action movie. But before we get to those, let's talk about 10 corny action movies that I just love to watch. This isn't my top 10 action movies. It's not even my top 10 corny action movies. But these are 10 of the best corny action movies from the 70s, 80s, and even snuck in a 90s one in this list. Now, I like a good action movie. I like the sense of excitement. I like the adrenaline pumping through my veins as I watch a movie. But there are really, really good dramatic action movies. There are really crazy action movies. And I'm looking at you, Fast and Furious series. There are some silly action movies. Central Intelligence, for instance. And then there are some that are just really kind of cornball movies. I mean, they have all of the action notes in there that you're supposed to hit. Really tough action hero. Really dislikable bad guy. But somehow in the 80s especially, those action movies were like way over the top. So much so that they crossed over into the area of corny for me. Now, you may have seen them. You may have not You may love my taste in movies after the lists you've heard so far. You may hate my taste in movies. But this list of ten are movies that if they pop up on the TV, I will watch it. And I may or may not have each and every one of them on a DVD somewhere. The first one is one of Arnold's earliest movies. Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course. The quintessential 80s star between Arnold, Mel Gibson, Sylvester Stallone, and Bruce Willis. There's your quartet of action heroes from the 80s. Yeah, they did other things, but if you saw an action movie in the late 70s, early 80s, all the way to the early 90s, you're going to see one of those guys more often than not. So the first one is one of Arnold's earliest movies, Raw Deal. Arnold plays a cop who's out to go undercover to infiltrate a mob situation and bring the big boss down. And there's corruption and there's the evil DA. And yes, I may throw some spoilers into these descriptions because I think 30 years plus is enough time for you to wait to catch up to the movie. But I'm not going to spoil everything because half the fun of watching a corny action movie is watching the corny action movie and seeing what happens. Even if you know what's going to happen, that's why I can watch them over again. So Raw Deal has some really over-the-top scenes. I mean, they're over the top. Including the fact that Arnold, with his Austrian accent, is a small-town cop. How does this Austrian bodybuilder type become a small-town cop? And then there's the part where he's driving along and he kicks out the windshield on the convertible he's driving and shooting machine guns as he's driving along the road and hitting every target. Oh yeah, the corn level is high in this one, but it's definitely worth watching. The next one we have is Cobra. Sylvester Stallone, the slow-talking, mean cop who rides a motorcycle. Cobra, all the action you could possibly want. Cobra, of course, is just his nickname. His real name is Kabrowski. I think that's what it was. I haven't actually seen this one in a while. It was up on one of the cable channels, I want to say a couple of years ago. And I said, oh my God, I'd forgotten, how- I- I'd forgotten this movie. And I put it on and I said, no wonder I've forgotten this movie. Oh, it's so corny. But it's definitely worth watching. We've also got Sylvester Stallone in our next movie, Tango and Cash. They're casting Sylvester Stallone against type in this one. He's the fashion plate detective with a high fashion sense. And Kurt Russell is his scruffy partner. Oh, this is so over-the-top corn. You have a couple of cops, spoiler alert, who are framed for something they didn't do. And they're in prison, and they have to get out to clear their names. And there's a prison break scene, and there's the tracking down of who framed them and why all throughout the movie. Oh, it is gloriously corny. There's a scene with giant trucks in it. Oh, there's good stuff in this one. If you have not seen Tango in cash, you're in for a cornball treat. Trust me. Plus, it's got Terry Hatcher at the height of her powers in this. If you don't know Terry Hatcher, it's worth going to this movie just to watch Terry Hatcher. I don't want to spoil anything about it, but... Terry Hatcher's worth the price of admission, or at least the price of the DVD. Next on the list, Tequila Sunrise. Now, this isn't a high-action movie. There's some action in it. There's some drama in it. We have Kurt Russell again. I didn't realize he was on a couple of these movies until I started going through the list. And as I'm talking about it, I realize, yeah, Kurt Russell is in a lot of these action movies, too. Kurt Russell. I love Kurt Russell. Great actor. I remember Kurt Russell when he was a kid doing Disney movies. You can look that up, too. But Kurt Russell is a cop in Tequila Sunrise. Mel Gibson, our drug dealer trying to go straight, or is he? And they're childhood friends. And so there's double crosses and action and boats blowing up. Oh, and also Michelle Pfeiffer at the height of her powers. If for no other reason you watch this movie, watch it for Michelle Pfeiffer. And you'll know why she was a star in the 80s. The next two feature my favorite, Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're going back to sand, sandals, and swords for both of these. Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer. Or is it Conan? Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer. They did two Conan movies and they were really good. Yes, they're totally unbelievable. Yes, they're silly. The acting is wooden at best. The special effects are horrifically bad, but they are so much fun to watch. You've got James Earl Jones in one of them, Conan the Barbarian. And in the other one, you've got a cast of, it's just one of the most interesting casts. I I can't even figure out how to describe it. You have Wilt Chamberlain, the basketball player, who's playing one of the henchmen. You have Grace Jones, the model singer, who's playing one of the henchwomen. You've got Andre the Giant in there. You've got Olivia Diabo in there who's another 80s face that you definitely want to see in the movies from the 80s. It's such an eclectic cast of characters, and the action is ridiculous. But, oh, it's so worth watching. If you haven't seen Conan the Destroyer, I keep saying Conan, it's Conan. Conan O'Brien is the talk show host. Conan the Barbarian is the Barbarian. If you haven't seen either of the Conan movies... Definitely put your hands on them. They are silly, fun, action, sand, sandals, swords, epic adventures. And they're worth watching. The next one on the list, we're going back to Sly Stallone for this one. Over the Top. This one I've watched a couple of times, but not recently, because the most recent time that I tried to watch it, I said, wow, this is really corny, and it's really bad corn. But if you've never seen it, I think you have to watch it once just to say, oh, God." How did this movie get made? It got made because it's Sylvester Stallone and they were running out of ideas. So they made Sylvester Stallone a truck driver who makes his living in arm wrestling competitions. And he's trying to win custody of his son at the same time that he's trying to win these arm wrestling competitions. Yeah, you heard me right. That's that's the movie. Over the Top is definitely Over the Top. But it's worth your while if you like corny action movies. There's chase scenes in there. There's arm wrestling sequences. Yes, They do arm wrestling sequences in this movie. Watch it for no other reason than the arm wrestling sequences. The next one on the list, Con Air. This is from the late 90s. This is a Nicolas Cage signature movie. This is the guy who's not unjustly accused, but he's falsely imprisoned, or unjustly imprisoned, I guess is the better way to put it, for defending the honor of his woman. And I won't spoil too much of it, because it's actually an entertaining movie all the way through. But it's got a great cast in it, too. It's got John Malkovich, Steve Buscemi, John Cusack, Ving Rhames is in there, Dave Chappelle is in there. It's got some really good people in this movie. And yes, it's stupid as hell. And yes, it makes no sense. And yes, it has a culmination of an airplane coming down in Las Vegas, running down the strip. It makes no sense. But oh, it's so much fun. And yeah, it's really corny. Corny moments, corny music, corny scenes. It's perfect. So yeah, if you haven't seen Con Air, go check out Con Air. Also on the list of corny action movies, you knew it had to appear on the list. Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze is the world-famous bouncer. (laughs) It cracks me up just talking about the premise Oh, yes, everybody wants the world-famous bouncer to come straighten out our nightclub. That's all we need. We just need a bouncer to keep the riffraff out. (laughs) It is such a goofy premise, and yet I watch this movie any time that it comes on the TV because it's so hysterically bad. You have the cheesy lines. Be nice until it's time to not be nice. You have the evil villain. You have the beautiful woman who needs rescuing. You have the shirtless fight sequence. You've got the hero who's just a bare-bones kind of guy, happy to live in an unfurnished barn, no air conditioning, no TV, no radio, no nothing. This is his life. Yeah, Roadhouse is corny to the core and definitely worth watching. The final one on the list today, one of my movie heroes from the 70s. I loved Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds made some really great action movies, and I actually have another list of these movies that I'm going to do. He's on my list of underrated action movies several times because he was a really good actor. But he went corny on us when he made Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit is a great action movie. It is so corny and so stupid and makes no sense. It came out at the height of the CB radio craze. So, it has citizens' band radios. For those who don't know, long before there were cell phones, cars and trucks were equipped with citizens' band radios. They were essentially the equivalent of shortwave radios in your car, and you could communicate with each other by radio. And you did. You'd send messages about speed traps up the road. You'd find out how weather and road conditions were down the road by talking to people on the CB radio. You had a range of about 40 miles on them, so you can get a, a sense of what's down the road a piece. And everybody had a handle. And Burt Reynolds' handle on Smokey and the Bandit, was Bandit. Smokey, of course, is CB language for police officer because it comes from the Smokey the Bear hat a lot of state troopers wore. So that's why it's called Smokey and the Bandit. And it's a farcical comedy. Burt Reynolds is on this crazy bet to get beer from one spot to another across state lines. And Jackie Gleason, who is awesome as Sheriff Buford T. Justice, has some great moments in there. Sally Field... Looking adorable throughout the movie and falling in love with Burt Reynolds during this movie. Definitely worth watching because she's in it. Jerry Reed is the plucky sidekick for Burt Reynolds' hero. And this is the movie where Burt Reynolds' career went from gritty action star to corny comedy action star. Because after this came Cannonball Run and a host of other movies that he did that were not nearly as good as his early stuff. But it kept his career going for a long time. But if you've never seen the original and unedited version of Smokey and the Bandit, it's definitely worth a watch. You can't watch it when they play it on network TV or any of the cable channels. You can't watch it on TNT or TBS. First of all, the commercials interrupt the flow. But secondly, they have censored it so heavily because Jackie Gleason was so foul-mouthed through the movie. It makes no sense, some of the stuff that they've dubbed in for the lines that he was saying in the movie. So you have to watch the original uncut version of Smokey and the Bandit to appreciate it. Don't watch Smokey 2, don't watch Smokey 3, they're not worth your while. This is one of those movies they should have just said, one is enough. But they didn't. But the first one, the original, one of the best corny action movies they ever made. Now talking about the corny action movies made me think about the corny action movie tropes. And they may not be in all of the movies, but they're in enough of them so that we look at them and we go, oh yeah, they're doing that again. And I only have 10. Believe me, there's more than 10. These are not even the top 10. These are just the 10 that I came up with. At least for this episode. I'm sure we'll have more for the next one. So first up, we all know the action movie is over when they give us the closing freeze frame. You know the one I'm talking about. The hero puts his arm around his sidekick. They both have big grins on their face and the movie freezes at that point. Or somebody says something funny, and the other guy looks away, laughing, and they freeze it at that point. And then the credits run. I don't know why that bothers me, but the closing freeze frame just, you know, fade to black. Throw the credits up on top. But the closing freeze frame just annoys me. Maybe it's just me, but that closing, that freeze, I hate that. (laughs) If you couldn't tell, I hate that. It just seems like lazy. We ran out of things to do. Freeze it. We also have in our action movies the easily exploding cars. There are some cars in action movies that if you look at them the wrong way, they blow up. If cars blew up as easily as some of the cars in action movies, insurance rates would certainly be a lot higher. I've seen scenes in movies where a car rolls down a hill, rolls down a hill. It doesn't roll over. It's just on its wheels. It rolls down the hill. It hits a tree at the bottom of the hill and bursts into flame like it's been wired with dynamite. I mean, I know you want to get the thrills going, and I know you want to get the action going, but blowing up a car because it taps a tree? You're starting to lose me there. You're starting to lose my believability factor. I realize we're watching a movie, and I know that when I walked in the place, but now you're taking me to the place of, this is a cartoon, it's not really a movie. And the same goes for number three on the list, which is what happens when you encounter glass. When you encounter glass in real life, you bang your head on it. If you encounter glass in a movie, it shatters all around you. And what I'm talking about is when you walk through a door or somebody throws you through a window. In real life, have you ever walked hard into a glass door? Yeah, you bounce off. Believe me, I know, I've done it. The scene that springs to mind is the scene from Beverly Hills Cop, which is actually a very good movie. But when they throw Axel Foley through the plate glass window in that business that he's visiting at the beginning... You've just lost me there. You lost me for those few seconds that he's bouncing on the sidewalk and the candy glass shatters around him. Because I know you can't throw people through plate glass. I know it. The action movies are also guilty of the overly polite gang of bad guys. By that I mean, during a fight, every opponent, very politely, waits for every other opponent to take his or her turn to attack the hero before they go. You know what I'm talking about. You got 15 guys going after the hero and they go one by one. Sometimes maybe they'll go two at a time, but then the rest of them are there, what are they, checking their phone, updating their Facebook page, waiting for the two guys to get knocked down before they go after the hero? I'm thinking 15 guys should be able to take out one guy. Maybe it's just me, but perhaps you have a group of you gang up on the guy? Just a thought. The action movies are also notorious for having tracking devices the size of toasters, Okay, perhaps that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but seriously, when our hero has to slip under a car or into a van or on a truck, they always have that tracking device that they need two hands to maneuver to fasten to the underside of the truck or inside the fender well or wherever they're hooking it up. And it's the size of a toaster. Not only is it the size of a toaster, it also has a blinking light. What store are you shopping at that puts blinking lights on their subtle tracking devices? It's a tracking device. It's supposed to be subtle. You're not supposed to see it. The bad guys aren't supposed to know that there's a little transmitter. The operative word being little. Big transmitter with flashing light? Probably not as subtle as you might want to go. Just a thought. And as long as we're talking about subtle, why is it when the hero has a disguise and is trying to sneak into the bad guy headquarters and the disguise works, they take it off? What sense does that make? Yeah, I know we're at a movie and we want to see Tom Cruise do his Mission Impossible thing or whatever it is. But when you take the disguise off, aren't you defeating the purpose of the disguise? See, the disguise got you into the bad guy place. I'm thinking if you leave it on, you'll be able to do more of that hero stuff you're there to do. When you take the disguise off and throw it away, you kind of give up the point of the disguise, right? But once you've taken off the disguise and you've gone through the gauntlet of polite henchmen who are attacking you two at a time. That brings us to the next trope. When you're being attacked by these guys two at a time, how is it that you're able to knock them out with a punch to the chest? Or to the shoulder? Or to the stomach? You know you've seen it happen. They knock these guys down, they give them a hard shove into a wall, and that knocks them out? I mean, I'm no doctor, but I know you gotta take a good shot to the head to get knocked out. I've had the wind knocked out of me. But I wasn't unconscious, and I got up pretty quick after that. Knocking a guy out cold by kicking him in the ribs? Hmm, I don't think so. then there's the trope where the hero is going after the bad guy. And the bad guy is the head of this evil empire. He's got hundreds of henchmen around him. And so the plan is to take out the big boss. We're going to get the evil bad guy and bring down his empire. It just occurs to me that... If you arrest the big bad guy, if you kill the big bad guy, if you knock him out, if you put him in jail, are you expecting the rest of the bad guys to, you know, just give up? (laughs) Oh, you got the boss. Okay, here, come get me as well. I mean, maybe I'm looking at it too realistically, but if you got a hundred guys behind Mr. Big Boss and you take Mr. Big Boss out, there's a hundred guys vying for the next seat at the table. But okay, who am I to ruin a good movie? We got the big boss, fine. The hundred underlings are... Fodder for the sequel. Good, that'll work out great. And this next one applies not just to action movies, but to TV shows as well. You're going to see this all the time. You're introduced to the coroner. He's working on a dead body. And he's eating. He's eating lunch. He's having a snack. I mean, I get it, we're supposed to get the fact that, yeah, he's a coroner. He's used to working with dead bodies. But seriously, you have to have him eating while working on dead bodies? I mean, I get it, but. That would be like showing us the concert violinist having some potato chips between songs. It just doesn't make sense. I don't need that visual. I get it. He's a coroner. The dead bodies around him and the formaldehyde jar in back of him, that's the dead giveaway right there. And finally, on our list of movie tropes, and you know this happens, they even have started making fun of it in movies. It happens so often. It's the bad guy speech. We all know it's coming, where Mr. Bad Guy has to tell the protagonist... Well, this is the reason for my evil plan. And he goes on to talk about his motivation and all the things that went wrong in his life and all the things he's going to set right with this plan. Or he's going to gloat about how he tricked the hero here and he tricked the hero there. And this is the point where he reveals the double-crosser who was supposed to be a friend and is really one of the bad guy's henchmen. We always have the long, drawn-out speech. And, of course, that gives the hero, or the hero's helpers, Time to come and beat the bad guy. You know what you do if you're the big bad guy in real life? Just shoot the hero. Just shoot him. It's over. I don't need to hear the big bad guy speech. And yet there it is. Well, I'm so evil and here's why I'm so superior to you. And then he takes a bullet in the head. When you get the bad guy speech like that, you wonder, how did this guy get to be in charge? Okay, he's like evil and stuff, but he's such a narcissist. How could he... How could he rise to the level of big bad guyness when all he wants to do is pontificate on how wonderfully evil he is? Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate you taking the time to be here today. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to listen to the podcast. It really means the world to me that so many of you actually listen every single week. And I can't thank you enough. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.